Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host that's like peanut butter, extra crunchy and full of nuts. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home, because that's, well, that's where we are. Uh, On this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show and pipe parts, uh, I'm going to have a suggestion of two pipes that you should buy, but never smoke. So you'll you'll have to listen to that. Yep, two pipes that you should own, but not smoke. Uh, and then my guest is a uh, part-time pipe maker, full-time uh, Bible teacher, Mike Couch. So we get to hear from him. Uh, music, mailbag, and a rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, do me a favor while you're before we get into the show, go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review Uh, Five stars would be great if you can. We would much appreciate that. And please make sure that you are sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you are. Uh, Hopefully everybody got a chance to uh, celebrate uh, International Pipe Smoking Day with some friends or maybe get caught up in the past week or so with some friends. Uh, I know I got to hang out with my Zoom group on uh, last Saturday and that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, and then later into the night, I went back on there and there was just, uh, there was just four of us left and we went on until, uh, almost 1130 at night. So, uh, what happens at the zoom club meeting after hours? <laughs> well, you never know, but the discussion got quite interesting and you uh, may read more of that in an upcoming NASPC newsletter. Nothing juicy, just all pipe related. So, uh, and if you're not a member of the NASPC.org, go to their website, get the newsletter. It's like ten bucks for the electronic one, six times a six times a year. Well worth it. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. are back all right so two pipes you should own but never smoke and why would you do that well here's why uh discussions have gone on for years about how do i display my pipes and then i see people on instagram and facebook posting pictures of their pipe display you know their pipes and racks or their displays of tin tobaccos and stuff like that and i think and i think so therefore I am, uh, that every pipe collection, you know, after a while, every pipe collection ought to have these two pipes in it, but never get smoked. 
One is the traditional African gourd calabash. All right, the same pipe that was made famous by Sherlock Holmes of the movies, even though in the books he didn't smoke a pipe like that because a gourd calabash is not really a portable pipe and, and nothing you really want to be toting around. And yeah, especially trying to solve mysteries around London, you really don't want to have to worry about that big thing. Uh, the African gourd calabash, which dates back to the 17th century and the colonization of Africa and uh, the gourds are grown there. Uh, you'll find gourd calabashes that have uh, meerschaum bowls and porcelain bowls. And I'm pretty sure uh, somewhere back in the archives of this show, I've covered what a gourd calabash is. Uh, Gary Schreier has written a book about the history of the gourd calabash. So if you if you want to learn more about that, buy the book and you'll learn all about the history of it. Uh, I personally have smoked one once and it's, you know, <laughs> it's two hands and it's like smoking a meerschaum or a porcelain. Uh, you can get, I've seen some people that have made some uh, conversion kits of briar bowls for them. Uh, but again, it's it's a whole nother art form. It's a whole nother taste. It's a whole nother experience. Uh, not one that made me jump up and down, but when you look at them on a little stand on display next to your pipes and maybe some of your favorite tins of tobaccos, you know what? They're good looking ones. And, uh, if you're looking for one, you know, poke around on eBay, you'll find some, uh, I know, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Tim West has been, uh, piecing piecing them back together again and restoring them and selling them on eBay. So the African gourd calabash, uh, famous by Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, you know, it's also the impetus for all these reverse calabash pipes or extra air chamber pipes and stuff like that. Uh, the other pipe that I think everybody should have in this one, I actually have one of, it was a gift, uh, is the, uh, what I call the Hungarian hunting pipe and those are the pipes that are made in sections and it might have a mouthpiece that comes off and then the bowl comes off of the what we would normally call the shank but it's a long uh, it's a long shaft that connects the bowl to the stem uh, some of them are extremely ornate with gold and silver and diamonds and rubies on the uh, on the bowls some of them are hand painted and decorative looking uh just you know some gorgeous antique pieces and these date back to the 1800s 19 early 1900s i've i've never smoked one nor do i ever see myself really smoking one because i would want to make sure that it was completely clean and yeah, and smoking out of a porcelain bowl. Uh, I've done that a couple of times on porcelain pipes. And yeah, maybe just the fact that toilets are made of porcelain bowls kind of turns me off. But uh, porcelain is, uh, it's a little difficult to work with because it's really hard to build up a cake on it. So you got to be careful when you're tamping. However, if you do some Google searching around, you'll find some of these uh, some of these hunting pipes are just really beautiful pieces and they hang nicely on the walls. Uh, a lot of them come with a cord or some sort of uh, a, a fabric cord that will connect from one end to the other so that you can easily, I guess at that point, throw it over your shoulder 
while you're out on the hunt. Um, a lot of them come with screens and caps built into them so that you can close them after you've lit them and not have to worry about ashes falling out or ashes blowing out all over you. Uh, but either way, I think they make really cool, good-looking, collectible, decorative pieces that go along with your pipe and tobacco, your pipe and tobacco display. Um, and they're definitely conversation pieces. If any of you have ever uh, smoked any of the hunting pipes, I would love to hear what you think of them. I've yet to, the one I've got just hangs on, uh, hangs on the wall on display and never really smoked out of it. It's also not the most ornate and you know, keep in mind, like, like the gourd calabash, these hunting pipes go from, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 inches long up to two feet long. And I mean, they just get crazy ornate and fancy. So either way, kind of pretty two pipes that I think all of us ought to own, but we should probably never smoke. All right. In just a moment, my conversation with Mike Couch. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is uh, another uh, another pipe maker that is a part-time pipe maker, which I love part-time pipe makers because that means you're not stressed out and having to make pipes for a living. You're doing it for fun, but then it's kind of stressful because you have to make them so that people like them anyway. Uh, but Mike Couch, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. It's really good to be here. Uh, so when you got married, was your wife a sofa, and now she became a couch? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, no, she wasn't. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure she wanted she wanted that name, but she didn't have much choice, so she took it anyway. <laughs> could, have gone the, could have gone the Spanish way. Uh, That's uh, right. Yeah. So uh, let's get to know you and your in your uh, superhero origin story. Um, where'd you Where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be when you grow when you grew up? And have you done that yet? So, <laughs> so I uh, I I grew up in uh, well, I was born in the Cincinnati area and uh, lived there until I was ten. My dad was a pastor, and so uh, when I was ten, we moved out west, and I lived in Wyoming until I was sixteen. Uh, and then I moved to northwest, the northwest corner of Montana, and that's where I graduated from high school. Um, went to college in Boise, Idaho, and uh, met my wife. And uh, we actually went into youth ministry, and I traveled around and, and did youth ministry at several different places and, and wound up in north Idaho, and that's kind of where I stuck. Um, and I'm actually not doing youth ministry anymore per se, uh, but I'm actually teaching uh, high school Bible at a Christian school now. So it's, it's kind of like putting on an old shoe. Wait a second. So you're teaching high schoolers Bible? I am. I am. <laughs> yep. Wow. 
Um, all right, so I'm assuming since since it's at a faith based school, these are these are probably a little bit more uh, well behaved kids than at a standard public school. You might think that, but yeah. what, one of the things that that we find in Christian school is that the kids that get kicked out everywhere else uh, end up uh, coming through our doors. So uh, we get we have we have those good kids. We have kids that have been at and in private Christian school their whole lives and. Um, but we also have kids that that didn't work very well in the public school setting, or they didn't work well in a homeschool setting, or whatever. And so we have we have the gamut of kids uh, at at our school. So it's it's fun. Yeah, wow. I, I'm just imagining them sitting there going, "Hey, Adam, Eve, come on, let's go." <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that might have been me at that age, but yeah. So right. so high school, okay. Um, so when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your world so uh my grandfather smoked a pipe um my my dad's dad and so i i have these super fond memories of sitting in my grandpa's lap uh as a child watching the news and uh the just the the smell of his pipe tobacco swirling around my head and uh just you know that that feeling of safety and and associating that with uh the smell of his pipe smoke was it's it's a good memory yeah do you remember what tobacco he smoked? You know, it's it's hard to remember. He he smoked a lot of Prince Albert, but I don't remember. Um, I, I seem to remember like a like a cherry flavor too, and I don't remember what it was that he that he smoked. Um, and my dad reminds me that it was probably whatever he could get the cheapest. So um, <laughs> I don't have any idea what it was. I've looked for it, but I can't I can't seem to locate it. Might might have been just the local drugstore's cheap cherry blend. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. So when did you start with a pipe? So uh, when I was, I think I was 40 or 41. I was sitting in my garage one night and uh, just just contemplating life. And, and I thought, you know, I, I, I had this vivid memory of my grandpa. And I, and I said, you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on eBay and see if I can find a pipe. And I found one and bought it and uh, got it home and cleaned it up and and started smoking it and it was terrible. I was, you know, I was trying uh, over the counter blends and and uh, and didn't have any idea what I was doing and um, wasn't very good at it. But decided I was going to stay with it and uh, figure it out. And so it wasn't it wasn't too long until I sort of had some sort of a some sort of a rhythm in the in the in the pipe smoking end of things. But um, but I was looking at that pipe one night as I was sitting there smoking or trying to smoke, and I I looked at it and said, I wonder if I could make one of these. And that was kind of the beginning of the end at that point. <laughs> Did you have any woodworking experience or any handicraft experience, or were you flying at um, this blind? I wasn't flying especially blind, but I uh, I mean I'd taken woodshop in school and and I, I my grandfather was a woodworker also the the pipe smoking one so I had sort of had that in my background but um, I've always been uh, super creative and you know always had a had an eye for detail and that kind of thing and so it sort of uh, it sort of came pretty pretty easily although um, at first it was I was devouring everything I could find on YouTube, yeah. uh, on how to, on how to make pipes. And so I, I met a lot of pipe makers through YouTube that I've since gotten to meet at Chicago pipe shows and things like that. 
that became early on became uh, pipe making heroes of mine, I guess. Who were your early influences? You know, honestly, I I really uh, gravitated at first to Joe Case's work, mm-hmm. um, and I I started making pokers because pokers looked really fairly easy to me and uh it was it was fairly straightforward two cylinders stuck together and uh so i picked up actually i never, didn't even pick up a lathe at first i i started drilling things on a drill press and and uh working that way and then you know then i started looking at some of the some of the more danish influenced carvers and and fell in love with that style and never really looked back it's kind of um between that and the Japanese style, I'm 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 hooked. <laughs> so, so sometimes you feel like you're going to the workshop and you're a little Danish, and sometimes you're feeling a little Japanese. Yep, I, I really I really like those two styles. Although um, the the basic English shapes, I you know I I always the classics I always gravitate toward, but I like to put a little spin on them, a little Danish or Japanese spin on them, which is fun. Define for us, if you can, what the little Danish or the little Japanese spin <laughs> is, and 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 keep in mind, nobody can see you, and nobody can see me waving my hands in the air talking either. That's true. <laughs> um, I you know I like um, I like pipes that that have a that have a flow a a, a line that flows uh, from you know from from bowl to button and um, and and subtle curves and and nice uh, rounded lines and that kind of thing. Um, early on, I, I really fell in love with the blowfish shape, although it was years before I ever uh, attempted to try one. And <laughs> yeah. uh, that that's become one of my favorite pipes to make. I love making blowfish because they're so organic and no two are the same. Um, and and even, you know, even the, the billiards and, and things that I make, I make a lot of straight shank uh, pipes and classic shapes, but... Um, but I like ones that have, you know, that have just a little little cant to the bowl or a little swoop in the in the shank or uh, bend in the stem or just, you know, just little things that give it movement. Um, I my eye is always has always been attracted to those. Yeah, I, I'm looking through your uh, through your Instagram, which which is Mike Couch Pipes. So it's M I K E Couch, like the thing you're sitting on, and pipes. Uh, and in particular, there's kind of a tall, forward, canted, bulldogish looking thing that looks like it's kind of Danish on top and Japanese on the bottom. It's a, a stack, stack bulldog. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, that's, that's fun. I, I can see that's where the teacher got a chance to go play. Yes. Yes, it was. I, the, the guy that commissioned that said, uh, he, he told me he wanted a bulldog, and so I had it all drawn out and, and, uh, and all ready to cut out the block for it. And uh, I got back in touch with him and said, hey, I'm ready to do this. And he said, so I've decided I want a two-and-a-half-inch bowl mm-hmm. deep. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> that changes everything. It changes the, the briar I can use. It changes the, you know, I, I hadn't, hadn't ever drawn out a, a, a stacked bulldog before. So anyway, but that was fun to do. Yeah. Uh, We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Mike. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? 
think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Mike Couch. That's kind of hard to say, Mike Couch. There, there's a lot. Of, I almost want to call you Michael just to break that up a little bit. Yeah. Well, my mom is really the only one that still calls me Michael. So, you, I mean, you could call me that, but. <laughs> I bet she doesn't do it with this low of a voice. No, no, no. she doesn't. No. But if she did, you're in big trouble, aren't you, Michael? That is for sure, and it's usually it's usually followed by Charles. If if she calls me Michael, it's I, she usually uses my middle name because I'm in trouble. <laughs> ah, yeah. All these years later, and moms can still take us down in two words. That's a fact. Yeah. So when you're making a pipe, are you drilling the bowl first, and you know, doing all the drilling first, and then shaping later, or are you doing both? Uh, typically, I uh, I drill first and shape shape second. Um, but I I have everything drawn out on the block and know exactly where I'm going with it. Um, that does that does create some issues when I when I run into a flaw or or uh, some sort of an inclusion in the briar. But um, I I can typically uh, reshape around the around the flaw if I if I need to. Uh, but I do have a lot of a lot of pipes that hang out on the on the shelf of shame in my shop. <laughs> staring at you and reminding you don't do that again that's right that's yeah. right um is there a shape that you that you really like to do uh like i said i i the the blowfish is one of my favorite shapes to do uh, i just i love the way it flows and the and the fact that no two panels are the same and um and it's and it's a way more organic shape and i even uh, i even drill that one first uh, as as weird as that sounds uh, I, I'll drill a, a blowfish first and then shape it second. But you know, always always keeping an eye out for the the flow of the grain and that kind of thing. Um, I like um, I like classic shapes, but I also like to do uh, some some really kind of off the wall things. Um, every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair and and do like a like a bamboo cavalier sort of um, Grant Bas Batson esque um, and and uh, I have a, a cavalier-looking sort of mushroom thing that's uh, about two rows down in my in my Instagram feed. That's just about done, actually. I got some buffalo horn on the bottom, and um, it's it's kind of funky, but it's it's very um, Tokotomi-ish. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of the direction that that one was headed. Yeah, I, I, you've got some wild stuff, and at the same time, you've also just done a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you did a whole bunch of Bing-style, uh, Bing's favorites, kind of, or 
you know, did did a commi- did a commission of a Bing's favorite. So I did, I did that that actually uh, I just finished up this last weekend and uh, it, it honestly got a lot of attention as, as you know as as my pipes go uh, that one that one got a lot of attention on both Facebook and Instagram so uh, that was good and I ended up with three more commissions out of that so <laughs> so save save that drawing you're going to be working on those for a while right right yeah uh, is there a shape of pipe that you just really don't that you don't like to do you know what's funny i um one of my and it's it's one that i've made i've made a just a million of uh is the devil answers i i like them uh but i have made so many that um and i'll just keep making them as long as people keep ordering them i'll keep making them uh, but that's it's not it's not as much fun for me uh, to make as some of some of the other ones. Sometimes when you make something over and over again, you just sort of get tired of it, and you want to make something that's completely out of the box. Um, and so that's that's kind of the one that uh, that I've made enough of the the last year or two that um, I, I'm I'm sort of sort of weary of it. But I still have I still have a bunch of them on my commissions list, so I'm just going to keep making them. Yeah. Now, with you doing this part time, are you doing like one pipe a week kind of thing? I I try and do a couple of pipes a week. Uh, it just really depends on how busy my weekend schedule is. Um, if I can if I can get a, a pipe cut out and drilled during the week uh, in the evenings and stuff, then I can then I can do my shaping and sanding and and finish work and stem work on the weekends. And so I can I can typically knock out a couple of pipes a week. Is that harder for you to kind of start and stop in slow steps on a pipe versus, you know, sitting down for six, eight hours and working through it? I, I would prefer to do it all at once in, in, one, in one shot. Um, but if, you know, if I know that I got a, I got a big workload coming and, and I've got commissions to get out and I've told somebody I'll get it done in three weeks and it's already been, you know, a week and a half, I, I typically will will put my nose to the grindstone and, and knock it out. Uh, but I, but I would prefer, I actually prefer making one pipe at a time, but, um, when I'm making a lot of the same kind of pipe, um, I will, I will batch them. I, I did a, uh, a pipe for a Facebook group last summer and I, it was, it was all the same shape and I did like, like 20 or 25 of them. And I, so I, I batched those and did them like five or six at a time and, uh, they went pretty fast that way makes it it makes it pretty awful when you get to making the stems doesn't it <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> yep stem work stem work is not my favorite although you know I, I i'm okay at it so it goes pretty quick but um but every once in a while you get one that's just not it's not even or it's not right and you you know you file a little off this side and then you file a little off this side and then you sand and then you know it just and it fights you the entire way now, now, nobody from the school is listening, so I want your honest answer to this. Uh, if you've got a commission and you're up against it, and you need to get a, you need to get some pipe time during the week, um, <laughs> might you skip homework for a couple of days? Um, it, there have been times when uh, when tests and quizzes and assignments didn't get graded uh, in a in a very timely manner. Let's just say that. Okay. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's it's a couple of weeks before I get the kids' grades back, but. Um, but it's because I, I, yeah, I got a big commission list and I'm trying to, trying to get stuff knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine yourself becoming a full-time 
a, a full-time pipe maker and 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 do you think you would like that so um when i when i first started making pipes one of my one of my long-term my my basic long-term goal was um when i retire i wanted to be able to do this full-time and i i wanted to be able to get my pipes to a place where um i was i was in a in a price range where i could i could actually supplement my my retirement with uh with pipes and go to a few pipe shows a year and and make you know 70 or 80 or 100 pipes a year and and be okay doing that and i i think honestly i think i would really enjoy it but not uh, but not right now because the uh because the teaching is too much fun well and i i really enjoy the teaching but uh the teaching for me is uh is more of a calling and yeah. so, you know, it's really hard for me to, to, uh, I enjoy pipe making and it's, and it's really, it's really relaxing for me. And I, and I really, uh, I, I enjoy the process of, of making pipes, but, um, but I don't feel, I don't feel called to make pipes full time. Uh, I do feel called to do what I do. And so there's, there's more of an internal motivation, uh, to, to teach than, uh, than the external motivation to, uh, to make pipes. So anyway, I, like I said, I, I love doing it and, uh, I can certainly see myself down the road doing it full time. But for now, um, I, I love to teach. Yeah. Let, let's switch gears for a minute. And I, and I like ask, asking this because you are obviously a person of faith that grew up in a family of faith. Why? And it seems like to me, like there is a, a lot of, a, a lot of people of faith, are pipe smokers or there's more in, in the pipe smoking population there doesn't seem to hold be a whole bunch of atheists um i agree any any idea why i why that tends to run that way you know as I, i've thought about that question and and i'm not uh i'm not 100 percent certain um pipe smoking tends to be a a more contemplative hobby where you know where we're we're sitting and and thinking about life and thinking about things and and you know I, I think maybe that might have something to do with the the personality that that uh, that tends to to attract pipe smokers um, or the personality that pipe smokers tend to be um, sort of sort of lends itself I, I think uh, to that to that uh, personality that that tends to gravitate toward faith as well. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I see a lot of uh, pastors and, and former pastors in, in the pipe making world as well. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's fun to talk with them. Uh, but yeah. I always want to ask them what, what caused them to get out of ministry and, and uh, get into pipe making. I, I, think I've, I think I've had every, every Christian denomination on the show possible and, uh, and you know, rabbis, monks. Um, right. Yeah. So not all Judeo Christian, but people of faith. And, and I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with pipe smokers tend to be people that are a little bit deeper thinkers. I agree. Um, now, and going back to high school Bible. So I'm assuming that's not just the, I, I'm assuming this is a more intense part of the Bible instead of the basic that might be taught in the lower grades it 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 is it's uh so 
we will uh, last semester, for example, I uh, I taught through the book of Genesis in in a semester, which is fifty. You know, it's fifty chapters. It's it's a lot of a lot of material, and it's it's a lot to get through in a semester. But um, it's more um, like the stuff that I learned in college. It's it's kind of it's kind of just a step down from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's fairly rigorous academically, so it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. Will you teach a different book in each semester, or or do you or, or do you specialize in Genesis? No, I uh, I have a four year uh, four year cycle of curriculum that I teach. So if you know someone comes in as a freshman into uh, my high school Bible class, they have to have four years of of Bible in high school to graduate. If they come in as a freshman, um, so they will they will cycle all the way through all the curriculum that I have, and I teach uh, I teach a semester on um, developing uh, Bible study resources. Um, I teach a a Old Testament survey where I'll go through every book in the Old Testament in a semester, just kind of a brief overview. I have a New Testament survey that I teach. Um, there are uh, there's curriculum on. I, I taught a, a, a semester on uh, on the story of Joseph, which is just like the last twenty chapters of the book of, of Genesis. So it's uh, it it all varies. There is just different different aspects of, of faith and different aspects of, of biblical study and and uh, uh, the nature of God, the the uh, the uh, attributes of God, those kinds of things. I'll, I'll teach an entire semester on that. So it it varies. Uh, depending on the semester. And I, like I said, I have that, that, uh, that cycle that I teach through a four year cycle. So, so I typically know what's coming the next semester. Well, and that's, that would seem like it'd be great for you because you're not just always teaching intro to algebra. Yeah. Right. Right. Here's, here's four classes a semester. Uh, and we get to do it again next semester. Yay. Yeah. That doesn't sound like much fun. (laughs) No binomials. Oh boy. We, um, how often do you get a chance to sit down and smoke a pipe? So I have a group of guys from my church actually that I, uh, that I sit down with every week. Um, and, and we smoke pipes or cigars. A lot of them are cigar smokers. Although since I joined the group, uh, several of them have bought pipes for me and there, there are more and more, uh, guys smoking a pipe rather than, rather than cigars. Um, but it's, it's just it's a good time to to just sit and and talk about what's going on in our lives talk about our faith talk about you know it's just it's really uh it it makes us better men it makes us better dads it makes us better husbands it's just it's a good time it's the true definition of fellowship it is it is and i have discovered when when i want to know something about somebody if i put a pipe or cigar in their hand i have an hour of their undivided attention so (laughs) Um, it's, it's really, it's, it can be a tool for me, uh, to be able to get to know somebody. Yeah. And and please tell me based off of where you live that you get a chance to go outside and, you know, when the weather, when the weather's not, you know, 20 below, um, right. I don't want to go outside right now, but it's, uh, but yes, I, I do. I spend a lot of time outside cause I've been, well, I've been through that area. I was there for four hours uh, driving through and that, and the lake up there is just breathtaking. So it is uh, absolutely beautiful. 
I would imagine getting out on the getting out on the shore of the lake or out on a boat with a pipe would just be a pretty nice pretty nice way to spend a day. It is. It is. When I am on, I have a little 13 foot aluminum fishing boat that I get out in, and I from the time I step in that boat, I have a pipe in my hand or my mouth, and mostly my mouth because I have a fishing rod in my hand. So um, that's that's a that's been something that I've done since I was just little. Uh, and so fishing is, I, I tell people that I'd rather fish than eat. Um, <laughs> so, and I, and I enjoy doing both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess fishing comes first. Um, then yeah, eating it's, is it's eating true. is second place. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, Mike, where do your pipes start out at price wise? Um, my, my lower end stuff, like if I, if I, uh, put a factory stem on a pipe and, Typically, my church wardens are the only ones that I that I don't hand cut the stems. Uh, those start out at about one hundred and seventy five dollars, uh, and I I've made pipes all the way up to between three fifty and four hundred. So uh, you know across the board, not kind of kind of middle of the road, not really uh, even on the lower end of middle of the road. Yeah. So you but you're not going crazy. You're not you're not up in that six seven eight hundred dollars smooth range yet. No. No. Well, Mike Couch, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay, no. Yes, sir. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe? I have a, uh, uh, I have a Bulldog or a Rhodesian that I made uh, with a horn shake extension. Uh, that, is my, that is my favorite pipe. I made it for myself for my 50th birthday. And where you are, that horn could have been walking by you one morning, and you just... It could have been. <laughs> it wasn't, but it but it could have been. What is your favorite tobacco? I I was super sad to see McClellan go. Um, uh, 2040 Cyprian was my was my absolute all time favorite, um, and and still is. I have I have a little bit hoarded away, and I and I I ration it very sparingly. Um, but I like, uh, I guess, um, plum pudding is, is, uh, is a go-to for me. I enjoy that. Yeah. And Latakia while you're out fishing helps keep the mosquitoes away too. That's a fact. That's a fact. What is your favorite drink? My favorite drink, uh, alcoholic or non? Just, just whatever you drink. Just whatever I drink. Um, wow. I, I, I drink more water than anything than any other other drink, but I you know I like a I like a little dram of bourbon every once in a while. And uh, right now, uh, Buffalo Trace is my is my go to for that. So, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, either a movie or or music. Um, yeah, <laughs> I get lots of books at work. <laughs> you get enough of that during the day, huh? That's true. Although I guess if you're teaching uh, if you're teaching Bible, there's really only one textbook. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Although I don't, I'm being being Jewish, I don't understand all the different versions of it. Um, <laughs> that's also true. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? You know the the memory of my of my grandfather is a is a great memory, uh, and and I've um, and that one that one will stay with me you know, forever. Uh, I, I got a chance to, uh, to spend some time with my dad in Montana last summer. 
and uh, I I sat uh, in a in a place that was very familiar to me as a as a high school uh, student. Got to sit there and with my dad and and smoke a pipe, and that was uh, that was a great memory also. You know, and it's all you know. We always hear about the preacher's kids being kind of wild and crazy. Well, it's nice to talk to one that wasn't wild and crazy. There you go. Yep. Mike Couch again. It's Mike Couch Pipes on Instagram, and there's an Etsy store. Thank you very much for coming on and joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. All right, check out all of Mike's pipes before the summer comes and he gets to go out on that lake up there and up there in uh, far northern Idaho. Um, just absolutely beautiful country up there. But check him out because I have a feeling once summer comes and he's out on that lake, he's not making pipes. Um, anyway, all right, for music. So uh, this past week on the Virtual Pipe Club, David Dorian Ross hosted uh, my friend W. Keith Moore. And uh, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen it, it's well worth it. Keith tells some other stories of uh, of his days at Uptowns. So go check that out because there were there were some good stories in there that that we haven't had on this show. Uh, but anyway, going back to music, how about some Keith Moore music? Because uh, Keith actually played live there uh, from the 2009 album Beloved. This one is called Another Dark Night. Without the light from your eyes There's only darkness in mine I'm like a drunk walking a line Without your light Waking up all alone Will brothers do each other wrong? Do you hear these sighs and moans without your light? Without your light, we all stumble. Without your help, we all fail. Without your strength, we all tumble. Head over heels into another dark night. 
John of the cross Learned to let go of his loss Lying in a cold dark cell Without your light Every soul has a dungeon Where it's lonely, dark and so cold Where we learn to let it go Without your light Without your light We all stumble Without your help We all fail Without your strength We all tumble Head over heels Into another dark night darkness nothing means anything so I close my eyes and I whisper to the king mercy 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 Lord mercy mercy my sweet Lord mercy mercy my sweet Lord mercy Lord Lord, without your light we all stumble Without your help we all fail Without your strength we all tumble Head over heels Without your light we all stumble Without your help we fail That's your strength We all tumble Head over heels Into another dark is uh, Keith Moore, singer, songwriter, musician, pipe smoker, and uh, former pipe raconteur. Master, I have mail for you. In the mailbag, before we get started with the traditional mailbag, it is now the first week of March, and it's time to start gathering goods for the annual JDRF auctions. Yeah, we'll do them again this year. Uh, I believe their virtual walk is the first week of May, so... You know what? We'll try to kick off the auctions right around then. So if you have something that you would like to donate, remember 100% of the proceeds go to, or 100% of the sale price go to the JDRF to raise funds to find a cure and help with treatments for those dealing with type 1 diabetes, including my daughter. Uh, email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Or send me a Facebook message or an Instagram message or, uh, yeah, smoke signals work. You'll find that out in, in a little bit here. Um, 
And then in the regular mailbag, if you have a comment or question, you can email me at the same place, or you can post it on pipesmagazine.com, just like uh, these folks did for uh, last week's show with uh, John Jensen, who apparently the uh, Portuguese bullfighting sent some people down the video rabbit holes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's that's some weird stuff. Uh, Dino writes, John was a completely engaging guest. What an incredible backstory and such an eclectic range of interests and pursuits. It's always a treat to hear Vintage Nickel Creek and a wonderful cover of a Dylan tune. Uh, while I agree that people need to be more considerate of other Zoomers, some of the background stuff is hilarious, particularly, for example, a wife calling from the other from another room to chide her husband's language. Uh, great show as always. Thanks, Dino. Yeah, might have I might have helped in calling that wife and having her smack him on Zoom. Um, long story. Well, not really long, but funny. Uh, Casey Ghost writes: uh, John was a wonderful guest with quite a backstory and an engaging way of relaying it to listeners. He truly had an eclectic background. Portuguese bullfighting is quite the thing. Uh, while marvelous musicians, Nickel Creek just doesn't do it for me. So there you go. There's Dan. Dan is Dan. And that's why we love him. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's, uh, here's one that came in. And it's from Eric B. And he sent this in through Pipes Magazine. And it says, uh, it, it, this is predominantly for Ask the Pipe Maker. But uh, I'm going to answer it instead of Jeff, because Jeff won't want to answer this really. And his question is, uh, what is entailed when someone opens the draw on a pipe? Does it just involve increasing the diameter of the draft hole, or does the diameter of the hole through the stem have to be increased as well? So uh here's why jeff doesn't jeff jeff makes pipes to his specifications and then if you want to do that afterwards that's up to you uh if you in order to open the draw and you want to you you want to drill out the draft hole in the stent in the shank bigger uh but you also want to open up the draw in the stem as well because you don't want a four you know if you drill it out to like just over four millimeters in the shank and then in the stem it's back down to two two and a half well that's going to cause turbulence and that's going to cause a backup and that's going to create a a really a really wet spot uh what you got to be careful with when you're drilling out in the stem is that if the stem is really thin and delicate well guess what's going to happen uh you're going to drill through the stem and if you drill through the stem you're going to be looking for a pipe maker to make uh, for a pipe repair guy to make you a new pipe. So you can't, you know, based on the limitations of the size and the stem, yeah, you, know, you can't open up that draft hole all as much as you would in the shank. So there you go. Uh, I would suggest, you know, obviously, you know, find pipe makers that or find pipes that work the way you like them. And then really consult a uh, pipe repair, repair guy or restoration guy before you open up anything. And have somebody, if you want it drilled out as big as possible, let somebody who knows what they're doing do it. All right, going back to IPSD, uh, Pastor Joda wrote in, uh, 
I am one of those who made an official IPSD purchase and took advantage of the sale. And the reason I'm reading this one on the air is because he made it. I like this. Uh, he said, I was able to pick up my very first Peterson. I've wanted one for years. And due to my love for the greatest detective, it seemed only fitting that my first Peterson would be a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I also grabbed a couple of tobaccos I've never tried. And of course, some pipe cleaners. There's the part I like. Of course, some pipe cleaners. Very happy with the pipe and feel so much smarter when smoking it. Uh, hope you're all doing well and enjoyed the brief spring weather tease that we got earlier this week. Yeah. Um, I actually got the hot tub cleaned up and I have spent a little bit of time in the hot tub. It's been nice. Um, just, just saying. Um, also, if uh, talking about smoke signals, uh, Robert Terry writes, Hey, brother, show is never too long. My two cents. We can always hit pause and go back later. So remember when I asked if, uh, if the length of the show was a problem, uh, if going over an hour on a regular basis was a problem, uh, I didn't hear anybody come back as a negative. And the reason I asked that was because I thought I was feeling some indications maybe that the shows were getting too long. But apparently, you know, as long as it's good material and I'm not talking that much, which is even better, uh, the show's not too long. So there you go. Uh, and then finally, a letter from uh, Bruno. He and I had been going back and forth. Uh, and he said... Uh, and, and the reason I want to read this on the air is to give a couple answers out loud to everybody. Uh, he said, uh, I'm now getting gradually paranoid about my square tins. I'll find a solution. Uh, does keeping them stacked also could also help a little bit? Um, no. Uh, keeping them in, uh, in cellophane, you know, wrapped up in cellophane, so you have those extra levels of plastic wrap around them, that does help. And if you're really nervous, go out and buy yourself a food saver and take four tins or whatever will fit in there flat in those bags and vacuum seal those down. That's that's the best way. Uh, then he goes on to write, by the way, thanks for the great interview with Tom Elting. It was so good that I uh, it made me decide to eventually buy one of his iconic pokers. I think you have at least one of them, if I remember well. Now I have two. Uh, it, it didn't take... Uh, it didn't take too much time to show up. Uh, I have seen this one. I have seen this one. I've seen one this very morning that I wasn't able to resist. I'll put it on my CV-19 disgust boredom. <laughs> so COVID-19 pipe purchases. Uh, anyway, thanks, Bruno. Uh, any of you make any uh, COVID-19 purchases? Uh, you know, sitting around on the uh, internet and found this and all of a sudden you're buying it because you've been stuck at home well let me know all right in just a moment a rave there's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine missouri meerschaum corncob pipe an american legend since 1869 it's the coolest smoothest pipe i've ever owned Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. Mm -hmm. 
So we go back to last spring sometime and we watched uh, Band of Brothers for the first time. And Band of Brothers was the, uh, I think it was an HBO miniseries that was based off of the D-Day invasion of Europe and the uh, paratroopers that went and went through Europe during World War II. Uh, based off of a recommendation, uh, it was suggested that I watch another miniseries, 10 parts, about 10 hours long, called The Pacific, which was also an HBO miniseries and is now available on Netflix. And it followed uh, U.S. Marines from the Big Red One, the First Division, as they started the uh, Pacific campaign and in World War II. And it proceeded with them starting in Guadalcanal and going all the way through to Okinawa. Well, here's where uh, here's where I re- first of all both Band of Brothers and the Pacific both really well done. Uh, both at times could be graphic and both at times uh, you know not appropriate for all audiences. Uh, however, in the Pacific, two of the key characters that we follow along. Uh, one becomes a pipe smoker during the war, and the other one uh, starts out as a pipe smoker. And I'm a uh, fairly knowledgeable pipe smoker, and I can tell you that both of these actors that played these parts that included pipe smoking, uh, both of them, you know, they seemed to know exactly what they were doing with the pipes, you know, for the period. Uh, they were, uh, you know, the pipes were nondescript, but again, these are men in action and they were holding the pipes correctly they had the pipes in their mouths correctly they were smoking them correctly uh so again really well represented of what a pipe smoker was and they weren't afraid to show the pipe smoking right there and even discuss the pipe after the war so if you're looking for uh, something to watch watch the pacific it's on uh, netflix 10 episodes, 10 hours, really good acting, really well done, and some really good pipe smoking in there. All right, uh, so that about does it for this episode. Remember, if you have something uh, that you want to donate to the JDRF auctions, reach out to me. We'll start gathering those up and probably fire that off around May 1st. Uh, Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and also iTunes ratings and reviews, much appreciated. So... Thank you very much to Mike for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy blade for slashing and stabbing, a club for pounding and smashing. Now come at me, pile, with a slash. Come on. And when you do, let's hear it. With each stroke, give a holler. Now come on. Ah! <laughs> ah!